You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. The Chocolate Lady, her outstanding staff, they're keeping you safe out there. They got their masks, they got their hand sanitizing stations throughout the store. So staying clean, staying in uh, mindful of social distancing practices, you're going to be just fine there. And Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60 of Sports Talk Radio. Joe, how you doing this morning? Oh, doing good, Travis. Still pretty anxious about the news, but I'm doing good. I know, man. I mean, it's like... You're just watching the social media timeline refresh every 10 or 15 seconds, right? I guess we have the Big Ten still in talks, are wrapping up talks, latest talks about its plans or its next steps for the 2020 college football season, the anticipation, the expectation that the Pac-12 later today, perhaps we hear from the Pac-12 as early as this afternoon that the P-12 is out, regardless of what the Big Ten does. So, so much to consider. You know, this time yesterday, we thought we had already eulogized the Big Ten. You had that uh, report yesterday morning from the Detroit Free Press that in an informal vote of conference presidents, 12 to 2 margin, the decision had been made to either push back the 2020 football season in the Big Ten or cancel it altogether. Uh, I don't know if that was a test balloon that maybe maybe the boys up there in the Midwest were sending up. Uh, whatever the case, it wasn't responded to uh, favorably, I guess you could say. And not even just in terms of fans, which you expect. You know, you expect the fans, a lot of emotion invested. Uh, as we talked about yesterday, a lot of the mental health, of uh, a good portion of the fan bases uh, in play here. And uh, that that didn't go over well yesterday. And then we understand or we learn, oh, well, that was an informal vote. That wasn't, you know, a, a formal type setting. And there's still no decision that's been made. You've heard from Big Ten coaches over the last 24 hours expressing their support of their players being able to compete in the upcoming months. So uh, here we sit. Here we sit, Joe Gaither, just waiting at this point, waiting to see what the Big Ten's going to do, the Pac-12, uh, the ACC, the Big 12. You heard from Greg Sankey yesterday and earlier today, I think, on the Dan Patrick radio program, and still maintaining the approach of, oh, we're taking information on a daily basis, and we're going to do everything we can, wait as long as we can, and ultimately make that call uh, at the appropriate time. And the benefit that the SEC has in comparison to, say, the Big 12 is that 
the SEC isn't playing football on September the 3rd. And you've got the latest news, the latest sort of hot-button medical topic that has come to light here in the last couple of days, myocarditis. And there's so many, so many things from a medical perspective that I have become enlightened about that I had no clue about prior to all this. Probably a good thing, man. It's a good thing, right? We become more self-aware of our health in general. But myocarditis is a inflammation of the heart muscle that apparently can be a residual effect of the COVID-19 virus. And now, with that coming to light, apparently it has seriously bit the ear of some conference presidents. Specifically, I guess more so maybe in the Big Ten, in the Pac-12, as far as a door-slamming type of ailment that, you know, presidents, schools, you know, they're not willing to take with student-athletes. Apparently, though, as we talked about yesterday, it's not as big of a concern with just the student base in general because we can load up the dorms already with just freshmen and students, you know. Places like the University of Alabama, you got tridelts more in danger of catching COVID-19 than you do football players. But that's, 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 it's okay. But myocarditis, and with that, we've had Dr. Aloya Earl on the program here in the last couple of months to get her insight. She's a sports medicine specialist, Dr. Earl is. She spent time here at the University of Alabama, uh, doing a fellowship at UA. Uh, She completed her residency at Ohio State, so she has some uh, ability to talk on a couple of different fronts from a conference perspective, both the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, She has actually rejoined 11 Warriors, an Ohio State uh, sports-dedicated website as a medical columnist. So we'll pose the question to Dr. Earl coming up a little bit later in the program. How serious is this situation with myocarditis? Is it a deal breaker, in her opinion, for college football? Is it something that can be managed, especially when we talk about programs like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Power Fives in general, with the medical staffs that are in place, with the care that is provided to student-athletes, with the screening process that goes into the inventory of student-athletes into athletic departments on an annual basis. Can you catch this kind of stuff, I guess is what I'm asking. And what type of extent will you need to go with individuals, especially those coming off of COVID-19, and making sure they're they're okay uh, and, and good to go from this perspective. So the latest potential hurdle in all this is myocarditis, apparently, and we'll ask Dr. Earl about that. Coming up later in the show. Um, We'll also talk with Brent Beard coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to go around the Southeastern Conference with Brent. I talked about this yesterday on the show. I really wanted to get into some of the winners and losers yesterday from the two-game edition to SEC schedules from way, way back. Way, way back on, what was that, Friday, August the 7th, 2020. But since it is... I mean, we're so far removed from August the 7th, 2020 in this current news cycle, right? I mean, it is, after all, it's already August the 11th. I mean, we're four or five full days removed from that announcement by the Southeastern Conference, how quickly news is moving right now. But we'll ask Brent about that, get his thoughts on, hopefully, what we could see in the Southeastern Conference with those games coming on to the schedule. Uh, But a lot to get to on this busy, busy Tuesday in the world of college sports. Coming up next, Brent Beard on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Dr. Aloya Earl will join us on the topic of COVID-19 and specifically myocarditis coming up around 1145. Back with more of the show on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. (laughs) 
A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. Scattered showers and thunderstorms are possible through early tonight. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, we start the day with sunshine during the morning. Scattered showers and storms developing again by afternoon. The high, 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you in part by Houston Hydrastein. Carpet, upholstery, tile, and grout cleaning. Houston Hydrastein can take care of all of that for you and more. 205-553-9460. We talk so much about dependability. When it comes to home services on the program, well, Jackie and his crew there at Houston Hydrasteen, count on them. Outstanding service, outstanding work. Houston Hydrasteen, 205-553-9460. Quality work you can stand on. That's Houston Hydrasteen. It's that time on Tuesday when we check in with our good friend Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. And Brent, it seems like when we get together on a weekly basis with as much as is happening in college football in the period of seven days over the last couple months it seems like two months worth of stuff have gone down since we last spoke uh, listen that there was a week worth of stuff yesterday by itself so yeah yeah i agree with that in it uh, i i tell you there and there still is a lot of uh uh, what you and I will probably call on the field stuff that no one's talked about yet, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so lost. And are we even going to play football or who's going to play football? And then uh, if we do play football, which players are going to play football? Uh, there's so many things to consider right now. But I said it on the show yesterday. I wanted, I went into yesterday or went into late in the weekend thinking, okay, a lot of Monday's show is going to be about the Friday drop of yeah. the two additional opponents right. in the SEC. I'm not talking about something that was dropped like last Wednesday. I'm talking about something that the SEC, the top <laughs> conference in all of college football, dropped at 5 Central last Friday. And by the time Sunday afternoon came around, that was probably 6th or 7th uh, oh, on my yeah. on my show show notes list. Uh, that I put together, but let's talk about that because mm-hmm. I didn't really get a chance to address it uh, on yesterday's show. How about some winners and losers from that two-game addition to the SEC schedule? Um, I, were there any real surprises to you, Brent, or, and maybe some things that you kind of anticipated that actually played out? I, I, I think we're all wondering whether um, Alabama and Florida would play, uh, and after hearing that the SEC wanted to balance out the schedule uh, i think there was a little bit more thought that they would not uh in that basically is what happened uh but in, in starting with alabama and look i know you picked up on this real quick uh, the the trip to, to missouri uh is not such a concern but i can tell you this um uh, the uh, uh this is a very good kentucky team for trav uh, um, now, look, do they have Alabama players? No, but I still give Mark Stoops a lot of credit for what he's done. And uh, from what we're hearing from Kentucky beat writers, this is the deepest Kentucky team that they've had, frankly, in uh, a decade or so. So I think that is worth uh, uh, looking at. I know everybody feels sorry for Arkansas. Uh, with the additions that they have had, um, obviously with Florida and Georgia uh, right now. And um, I'm not quite sure what Auburn's complaining about. Um, I mean, they've got a South Carolina team that can lose just as well at home as they can anywhere else uh, in a Tennessee team that's just not quite there yet. Uh, Florida with Arkansas and A&M. 
uh, at A&M will be a particular situation for them uh, at that point, too. So, uh, I mean, obviously Arkansas got hammered, but, I mean, in, in Sam Pittman's first year, I'm not sure it's going to matter that much uh, as far as the, their record is concerned. So, uh, but uh, I, I think all in all, uh, I, I know they got criticized, but Travis, I, I thought the league did a decent job in kind of spreading the wealth around. Kind of felt like the league, in terms of strength of schedule, not only had to take into account the league itself, but perhaps other leagues and sure. and the, the the sort of primary competitors for potential college football playoff spots too, yes. right? Yeah, it yes. wasn't just a league only consideration where strength of schedule is concerned, you're, you're thinking about the other leagues and, and how your teams and sort of what you project to be your primary candidates for those spots. Uh, and as much as anything, trying to get multiple candidates into those spots, if possible, that, that was a consideration, right? Oh yeah. Look, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, uh, and, and, but that's, I think that's an, that, that what naturally comes out of something like this uh, well, I mean, the if people want to criticize uh, the, the Alabama situation for getting Kentucky, Missouri, they also need to remember they're also playing Georgia. So, uh, and I and I think the league realized that. Uh, but, but there's no doubt. I mean, uh, and in looking at this, and again, so much stuff is up in the air. Uh, that's got to be part of the equation. I agree with that very much. I guess maybe Auburn fans still have some memories of that Tennessee game a couple of years ago. You think yeah, maybe probably, that's uh, so, yeah. maybe that's part of the consternation. Didn't enjoy that first trip by uh, Jeremy Pruitt there to Jordan Hare Stadium. And I agree on Kentucky, man. Kentucky under Mark Stoops has become the anti Hal Mummy. It yeah, is a physical football team. They're a line of scrimmage team. As crazy as that sounds. Kentucky likes that. They'll they'll get in a phone booth with anybody right now. And people also forget this is a team that should have two straight wins over Florida. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was trash coming out party last yes. season after yes. the injury by Felipe Franks in that game in Lexington. Kentucky wins that game. Yeah, there's probably more consideration being given to the Wildcats coming on to Alabama schedule. Uh, and there's no doubt. And, and as you and I have talked before. One of the smartest things that Stoops did, instead of battling uh, Alabama and LSU and Georgia for all these prospects, what he's done is he's gone uh, to the states that border him more to the north, uh, such as Ohio, and got a bunch of kids from there. And I take Trev, it's paid off for him, has it not? Yeah, I call that area up there Stoopsylvania. You know, it's kind of <laughs> not Ohio. <laughs> Yeah, it's not yeah. Pennsylvania. <laughs> Stoop Sylvania, I call it. And you're right; he's made sort of that region his his own little area up there, and and they've had a lot of success with it. And we've even seen Alabama in this cycle go in to that area, Northern Kentucky, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, for the first time in a in a few years, anyway. I guess Jedrick Wills, uh, Damian Harris, obviously mm-hmm. going back to Sean oh, yeah. Alexander, but. You can attract some talent out of there. I really feel bad for Missouri and Arkansas. Not so much because it's really going to matter in terms of their ability to vie for a championship or maybe even a bowl game. But you get handed these monstrous games on your schedule. And and the potential bright spot in all of that is that one of them's a home game. But with the likelihood, Brent, that we might have zero people in the stands if we do have football this fall, you don't even get the benefit of the home gate or the the economic impact if you bring in an Alabama or an LSU or uh, a Florida or Georgia or someone like that. No, and that's disappointing for for them. And they would have played uh, LSU, which would have drawn a lot of people. Now, Trav, Half the stands may have been LSU fans, but still, there would have been a hey. there would have been a good crowd there. And, and look, I, I I don't know about Drinkwitz, but I know from what he's done in the past. I think he's a pretty good football coach. I think he's a pretty good recruiter. So uh, that that's a guy to kind of keep your eye on uh, at this point. And and, and look, uh, I, I think people will understand this uh, that uh, Drinkwitz. Uh, hopefully, it can become a Gary Pinkle 
uh, which frankly would be a pretty good mark for him to shoot at, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Nick Saban, he's got those 74 support staff members over there off Bryant Drive pouring through that Appalachian State <laughs> video. No doubt. Maybe, maybe even going back into NC State. Yeah, a little I bit think so. Drinkwitz. Absolutely. <laughs> with Eli getting ready for those Tigers potentially during the upcoming season. We're talking with Brent Beard, College Sports Today, First Coast News. It is a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier. I think Dan Mullen, Brent, was a winner and a loser in this. I think ultimately he was a loser because essentially you're trading Florida State for a road trip to a former Florida State head coach and Jimbo Fisher right. and, and Texas A&M. But probably more so Dan Mullen felt like a winner because it is an Alabama that could have been coming to Gainesville potentially this season. Uh, and for a multitude of reasons, if you get Alabama in Gainesville this year instead of next year, again, home field advantage, oh, no people doubt. in the stands, that goes out the window. You preserve the potential for having very much that advantage a year from now when Alabama is scheduled to go to Gainesville. Um, and look, Dan Mullen's 0-9 against Nick Saban and, uh, at Mississippi State in his time and in uh, Starkville anyway, but how did how did that come across? How did that sell there with the Florida fan base, the two added games for Dan Mullen and the Gators? I can tell you right now, the uh, uh, they, they really want to, misguided or not, they really want to play Alabama. Uh, and uh, the fans are you talking about, uh, they are as excited about that game probably right now as they are playing Georgia uh, or someone of that ilk. So that, that they are... But uh, if they're honest, that they'll also say uh, we would we would much rather see them in Atlanta. Uh, but that but, but I tell you what, that Trev, that A and M game could be a pivotal game for them on the schedule, uh, especially going there. Uh, and again, depending on where that game is going to be, I, I, I Trev, I just wonder, and I'm thinking about Kellen Mond here for Florida. Would you rather play A&M on September 26th instead of playing them in November? Uh, as far as uh, the, still the uncertainty you've got with Mon and, and who he think uh, who we think he could be or maybe not be. I think we. I, I don't. I don't know how much more of a sample size we can get on Kellen Mon. I mean, this is a guy <laughs> who's essentially a three-year starter. Mm-hmm. You know, if if Alabama and A&M do play this season. He will be a four-time starter in that series. And you That's just amazing. don't see that. You, really you don't, don't see that at the quarterback position at the right. Power 5 level with quarterbacks. You know, right. Quarterbacks, usually, if they're good enough to start against Alabama the first three years of their career, yeah. yes. they're gone by the time the fourth year Correct. rolls around. So he continues. He'll continue to be an enigma. I don't know if that matters. Um I think Florida, again, I think Dan Mullen's a winner in that situation, too, because yeah. he goes to College Station and plays in front of potentially no one. Yeah. And and we know that that can be an issue. That can be a factor there with the 12th man uh, in, in Aggieland. So a lot of different ways to, to look at this situation, Brent. But unfortunately, we have the reality of the uncertainty of what we're going to have at all for the upcoming fall. Um we saw a bit of the the reaction, the blowback. Uh, it almost felt like yesterday that the Big Ten set a test balloon up, right? Yes. And yes. leaked out the informal vote and wanted to see if they were kind of given the approval of being, uh, you know, caring and, and forward thinking in terms of the well-being of the student athlete. Uh, and maybe how even with those within their own league would receive the news. I don't know what they were expecting, but if they were thinking that it was going to be positive feedback in regards to canceling or postponing the upcoming fall season, I don't, I don't think it was what they were anticipating. Maybe. I think the big 10 yesterday had a hold my beer moment <laughs> uh, and, and, and it really just exploded in their face is a lot of what happened um, and listen, I, I didn't think I would actually ever say this, uh, but they actually needed Jim Delaney yesterday because I think Jim Delaney would have um, uh, told those presidents, 
guys, we're, we don't need to cancel this now. Uh, we need to wait, and, and we need to get some some further information. I think what's amazing is, Trev, the, about less than a week ago, they had a two-and-a-half-hour special on the Big Ten Network about their schedule, and then they come out with that yesterday. I still think their presidents are more concerned about uh, liability and this quasi-labor uh, union, if we can put it that way, as they are, uh, frankly, with COVID. Uh, and, and listen, that this got lost in a lot of things. But Kevin Warren actually has a son that plays for Mississippi State by the name of Powers. He's a tight end. Uh, I'm thinking if they if they cancel their season, that he probably won't be coming down to see Powers play. But uh, I, I look, I applaud those athletes and those coaches for standing up for themselves uh, at that point because th- this was a decision uh, that, that was that was not well thought of. And, and I, I think it was that they thought, okay, we're going to get our marbles and we're going home and everyone's going to follow us, and all the pressure now is going to be on the other conferences to drop football. When instead, just the opposite happened, and the intense pressure came over the Big Ten. Uh, and, and, Trav, frankly, with, their, with the arrogance they showed, uh, the, that they really brought that on themselves. Yeah, had to be first in pretty That's much right. everything throughout oh, yes. this process. And it was interesting because leading up to the potential nuclear winter type announcement, arrival of that yesterday, sounded like the Big Ten was looking for dance partners. Yes. And uh, it was forced to sort of go solo out there on the dance floor if it wanted to go that route. Um, we're hearing earlier today, speaking of the Big Ten, James Franklin on ESPN earlier today, Another one of these coaches, I guess Scott Frost, we heard from mm-hmm. yesterday, prepared to look into playing outside the Big yeah. Ten if the league cancels the season. I just don't see that as being realistic because right. I don't know where are you going to play. Leagues aren't right. looking to expand their schedules. They're contracting schedules. They're taking care of their own, even if you are Penn State or Ohio State. The SEC doesn't need to bring you in. You know, that, they, don't, they don't really need you. In fact, it may be to the SEC's advantage if you do sit out altogether. It just emboldens the brand oh, absolutely. of the SEC as the leader in the sport. But your thoughts on that? Is is, is there any, any aspect of that that you think is realistic? Is this James Franklin, Ryan Day, Scott Frost? Are they putting heat on Commissioner Warren, the league, to, to go forward? What where, where do you stand on that? I think I, I think that's what it is. Uh, now you understand this like I do, but the problem here, Trav, is uh, and, and look, I, I appreciate them saying that. I actually like them saying that, but but realistically, when you get into the uh, uh, when the adults in the room start speaking, what you've got here is uh, you've got a right situation. That is owned by the Big Ten Network, ESPN, and Fox. So, uh, and Trav, that is what miles and miles of uh, of, of legalese and contracts and things like that uh, that you just simply cannot ignore. Uh, no, I, I think that's what they're doing. That they're putting pressure on their presidents and also their um, uh, the the, uh, the commissioner, uh, who obviously is a rookie. And is struggling with this, uh, and I will say this: with with everything that these uh, that that I thought Matt Hayes uh, from the Sporting News has made a good point about this, and that when Scott Frost said what he did, and James Franklin, the point he made is: don't think that those guys aren't saying what they're saying without their president's permission, uh, and and uh, uh, whether that's totally true or not. I think there's some. I think that's really something worth looking at. So to me, it would be. I'm with you. I think it's more they're trying to put pressure on the league uh, to, to not make a snap decision and a knee-jerk decision with this. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. And now there are reports out there today that the Pac-12 may just go ahead on its own yeah. uh, without its stance partner. And that's kind of the question I had for you too. Uh, there's been reports. Of maybe the ACC reaching out to the Big 12 to take its temperature and 
Maybe they would pair up in, in making a decision one way or the other. Uh, we've heard about the Big Ten and the Big 12. Obviously, they've kind of worked in unison throughout this process. But I guess at the end of the day, right, there's there's five power five yep. leagues, obviously. And so you just get the sense the SEC is going to do what the SEC is going to do. Now, look, if it comes down to the other four power fives opting out, that's going to make it extremely difficult right. on the SEC to sort of just go out there on its own. But I guess the batting order in all of this, uh, I, just because someone's going first doesn't sort of indicate their status in the power structure maybe right now in the sport. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm looking too much into that. No, I, I, I think you're on to something there. And I think if, the, if these conferences had gotten together early – uh, and all been on the same page that they they could have really been strong and made some made some wise decisions with this. The Pac-12 has the weakest leadership of anybody, uh, frankly, in sports. Larry Scott, uh, I'll be surprised, frankly, Trav, if he has a job in a year. Uh, and the the way this situation is gone, so that that would not surprise me uh, whatsoever. Uh, I do appreciate what Sankey has done, uh, and I think he, frankly, has shown some leadership. And I've been critical of him uh, in some ways, but I, I give him some credit um, that they are – and it doesn't necessarily mean that right now – and people need to understand this – it doesn't necessarily mean that the, that, that the SEC is going to play, but the important thing is – is they're moving forward and doing everything they can and gathering all of the information. And, I mean, my goodness, Trav, today is only the 11th. I mean, there's still uh, almost three weeks left in this in this month. You've got 26 more days in September. So that I think they're going to use all the time they can. I think that's smart. Uh, ACC, I think, will will kind of settle up with the, with the SEC in making those decisions, I think the Big 12 is probably on the fence. Uh, I'm not quite sure what, where they're going to be, but I'll say this, and and I know, and knowing you, you picked up on this uh, probably immediately. Uh, you talked about being emboldened a few minutes ago, and I'll quote this from Jeff Ketchum, uh, who is a longtime um, uh, Big 12 and Longhorn writer. Hearing from a Big Ten coach overnight that I've known for 20 years that the conference being blamed for shutting down the sport is already impacting recruiting. One of the top 2021 targets told this coaching staff that he he would go to a school and a conference that supports football. <laughs> so, so Trav, would it be easy to say uh, the SEC would use this as a recruiting advantage? No, oh, Roscoe, <laughs> the, he- the headaches for people like James Franklin and Ryan Day—it's you know, it's roster retention, it's recruiting. Absolutely. I mean, the last thing you want if you're one of those coaches in the Big Ten is recruits watching Alabama play yeah. in October. Yeah. Absolutely. While you're on the sideline. And look, there's serious issues to consider here. We're not saying there aren't, including right. Michael. Right. Car- uh, My- I'm, I'm saying it wrong. And we're going to talk to Dr. Alaya Earl coming up in just a little bit about myocarditis. Uh, it's an inflammation of the heart muscle. That's been a hot topic here in the last right. couple of days. And apparently it's impacting university presidents and chancellors in terms of the serious nature of the ailment. Uh, which typically comes on the heels of viruses like COVID-19. So, again, it, it seems like daily there's something else that's thrown in front oh, of yeah. the path to a college football season. But we look forward to talking to Dr. Earl about that coming up in just a little bit. And it's another area where having some time uh, is Absolutely. in the favor of the SEC. Playing September 26th instead of playing uh, you know, September the 3rd, you, you have some time to sort of deal with these things that continue to be thrown your way. Well, Brent, as always, great stuff here on the program. Look forward to doing it again next week. Me too, pal. Take care. There he goes, Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after the you're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
you know, we're kind of stuck in the 80s on this program when it comes to the music selection, whether it's some new wave, maybe it's 80s rock, maybe it's 80s hip-hop. Still the best hip-hop there ever was from the uh, 80s. I'll die on a hill for that. Not many things I'm willing to just straight up die on a hill for, but I'll do that for 80s hip-hop. But today we celebrate the 65th birthday of that guy right there, Joe Jackson. One of the favorites from back in the day, back in the 1980s. It's Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Again, we're kind of in standby mode, right? Waiting to see what we're going to hear in... Official terms from the Big Ten Conference, perhaps the Pac-12, as early as this afternoon. Greg Sankey has appeared on multiple platforms here in the last 24 hours, Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, and has at least outwardly expressed a desire to maintain the status quo in moving forward, being patient, acquiring information, and proceeding based on the information that continues to become available. Information we have on the Atlanta Braves right now. What does that tell you about the Bravos? I think the Braves had enough information on Sean Newcomb after an inning and a third last night to make the decision that it was time to option Newcomb down to Gwinnett. And that's exactly what happened on the heels of the Braves 13-8 to loss up there in Philly. That was a nice seven-run ninth, wasn't it? By the Braves, down 13-1. to Put a little lipstick on that pig. But Newcomb gives up eight runs in an inning and a third. Uh, And with that, the Braves will now... Look, swept the doubleheader on Sunday. I meant to talk about that yesterday. It was really good to see Ronald Acuna deliver like he did. Also, six hits in that doubleheader. For Freddie Freeman. So there was some good news, but man, this pitching. Woo. Tuki Tassant going to get the ball tonight for the Braves, who move on to Gotham for a quick two-game series with the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees. And then the Braves will head to Miami for the weekend. Braves and Marlins are tied atop the NLE standings right now. You got to keep in mind, though, Braves have played eight more games due to the outbreak that hit the Marlins at the outset of the season. Really, in the NL East, you're looking at just two teams with records in the division that are reflective of full runs through this truncated schedule to this point. The Marlins, the Phillies, the Nats, they've all been impacted by the virus and outbreak involving the Miami Marlins. So uh, we continue to try to navigate the Major League Baseball season. Not so good for the Cardinals here of late, huh? The Cardinals going to miss like 13 or have missed like 13 straight games, something crazy like that. Yeah, not so good. We've told you, though, the pro golf continues to just continues to just move along. Going to have that Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, North Carolina this weekend. A couple more Alabama players set to compete in the final event before the FedEx Cup playoffs you're gonna have uh, i think bud Colley's again in the field this week in greensboro i think robbie shelton's in that field you're gonna have michael thompson jt Colley, and shelton all in good shape where the north trust open is concerned that's the first round of the fedex cup playoffs in a couple weekends but uh the pro golf man Got the Boise Open on the Corn Ferry Tour. Going to have a couple of PGA Tour players for next year. Lee Hodges coming off that win over the weekend in Portland. Davis Riley going to jump back out there on the Corn Ferry this weekend. Going to be a part of that field out in Idaho. So it just continues on. Even over in Scotland, you've got the Ladies Scottish Open this weekend on the LPGA Tour. You're going to have a couple of former Mick Potter players from the University of Alabama over there in the United Kingdom. Every weekend, any weekend you want, you can find Alabama representation on the professional golf tours. Going to head to a break. As promised, coming up next, 
It's Dr. Alia Earl. She's going to tell us what we need to know about myocarditis, the latest concern involving a potential college football season in relation to the COVID-19 virus. We'll do that with Dr. Earl when the program returns right after this. Now, a mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. Scattered showers and thunderstorms are possible through early tonight. The high today, 94. Tonight's low, 73. Tomorrow, we start the day with sunshine during the morning. Scattered showers and storms developing again by afternoon. The high, 93. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. The show is always brought to you in part by Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. Yashika Barnes, CEO of Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. She and her crew do an outstanding job, dependability, thorough in how they go about their business. 205-886-3616. That's going to put you in touch with Yashika Barnes and Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Do it today, I guarantee you. 20 years of quality cleaning service, and it shows up in each and every one of the jobs that uh, Yashika and her crew are a part of. It's time to head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line at 205-342-9904, where we welcome back to the program Dr. Aloya Earl, who joined us. I guess it's been a month and a half or so now. Dr. Earl specializes in sports medicine. She completed her residency at Ohio State University and then served a fellowship right here in Tuscaloosa at the University of Alabama. You can also catch her work as a medical columnist on the Ohio State-related website, Eleven Warriors. Dr. Earl, thank you for joining us again here on the program. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we had you on, as we said, I guess it's been a month and a half or two uh, since we, we last spoke. And I know when we talked, you were you were fairly confident that a college football season this fall could be pulled off. Has has anything happened since our last discussion that has kind of changed your opinion on that? Certainly this latest topic involving myocarditis has been a, a hot topic here in the last 48 hours. Where, where are you at still on the potential for a season, doctor? Right. So I was definitely optimistic when we spoke before, and I remain optimistic from my personal stance on it. I think that a season can be pulled off, and I've always thought and still think that there could be a season with just spaced out games and organized protocols for testing and dealing with positive cases, especially in the Power Five. I think the resources that these schools have um, can definitely pull off some sort of season. But as far as whether or not a fall season will actually happen and happen on time or happen at all, I think that has definitely changed, unfortunately, especially over the last several days with these conversations. And it sounds like the aforementioned myocarditis has become uh, a central topic in kind of the pessimism that has cropped up here in recent days. What do we need to know about myocarditis, Dr. Earl? And is it a new concern in the world of sports medicine, or is it something that's actually been on the radar for for a while now? So myocarditis is essentially inflammation of the heart muscle. Um, So the myo means muscle, the card part of that means heart, and then the itis is inflammation. So that's what that word means. And it's a known potential after effect of several viruses, like the flu, for example. So it's not new. Um, The concern with athletes, though, is that this after effect can be asymptomatic when they're just resting. But then when they vigorously exercise, it can become symptomatic and, and feel like chest pain or trouble breathing, sometimes lightheadedness. And the worst concern is that it can throw the heart into an arrhythmia, basically the heart muscle when it's inflamed, goes rogue, and it um, goes into an arrhythmia, and that's the most dangerous concern. 
the good news is, though, is that this has been around. This is something that we know about, and there's accessible ways to screen for it. Um, it produces kind of a characteristic sound when we listen to the heart with a stethoscope. Uh, EKGs can pick it up, and then blood tests and heart echoes, which is like a heart ultrasound, and heart MRIs are other tests that we can use to pick up myocarditis. And these are all um, resources that Power 5 schools and, and their medical um, staff have at hand that they can screen these positive cases prior to returning to play. So it's like anything in medicine. Um, we know the risk. We screen for it and address it. And if an athlete has it, we can take care of them and hold them out um, as long as as long as they need to be held out to go back safely. So it needs to be on our radar, and I agree with that concern, but it has been, and it's nothing new or groundbreaking that we can't effectively mitigate. So, Dr. Earl, if I'm an incoming freshman, let's say I've, I'm just going into a program at the Power 5 level, maybe even a group of five, a smaller school, even FCS, it sounds like this is something that just in a typical physical, entry physical or screening uh, as a student athlete uh, joins a program that can can be easily detectable. Is that correct? It can, um, and I agree. And there's many programs that do screen routinely with EKGs, um, but this would be an added EKG screening after they've had, um, if they have a positive COVID case, they would do another EKG screening prior to returning them to a gradual return to play protocol. Um, so it was just going to be an extra step, but it's not a huge burden at all. It's a really simple, accessible test. So what are we talking about maybe? Because economics are certainly a part of all this. Um, you, you know, I know, for the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, uh, it's something that the tab can probably be picked up uh, quite easily or, or without a lot of discomfort uh, but this extra step, as you referred to it, 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 from an economic standpoint, is 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 it something that's uh, excessive if you're maybe an FCS program or a a group of five, or is it is it kind of in line with with what you would typically put into that process? It's not excessive at all. Um, EKGs are really cheap, um, and they only take a few minutes. Um, if we're getting into heart echoes, those are still, um, I think, very accessible for even FCS schools. Doing a cardiac MRI on every single athlete one, I don't think that's necessary unless they have symptoms and they kind of meet those criteria that there's already a big clinical concern for myocarditis. Um, but certainly Power 5 programs can afford cardiac MRIs prior to return to play. In my opinion, if we're talking about canceling the season over this, we would be so much better off from a financial standpoint to just hire a cardiologist and a pulmonologist and an electrophysiologist for every team if we're being super conservative. That would still be um, so much more um, economic than completely canceling the season and the losses that would happen from that financially. So at this point, from a medical standpoint, Dr. Earl, what do you think university presidents, chancellors, what do they need to hear to feel comfortable about moving forward with a season? Or in some instances, do you think the ship has already sailed and then you you throw in this myocarditis concern with it and uh, maybe some opinions are, are formed to the point that they're they're irreversible? What 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 can be told to these folks to convince them that uh, it's okay to at least proceed forward. You know, I hope the ship hasn't already sailed, and if myocarditis is the last straw, I hope that's not the case because I think they just need to understand how prepared the medical staff of each of these universities is um, to handle these concerns, and we have the resources to navigate a season. Um, I think that athletes are going to be exponentially more safe in the context of a football facility with all the support personnel and monitoring that they have there every single day than they would be like out in the community without their organized season. I know Coach Saban voiced that. There's been several athletes who have voiced that. Um, the race of infection, even though we don't know exact numbers, they certainly seem to be significantly less within these football programs than they are in the general population. So I just think that they need to know how well that these athletes are protected and cared for at this level. 
So as we let you go here, Dr. Earl, logistically here on August 11th, what do you consider to be the biggest obstacle in pulling the season off? Is it the upcoming potential interaction with the student base? Is it travel that would be involved, actual game interaction with opponents? Um, what, what's, the, what's the toughest thing to, to get through right now? I think the biggest challenge is going to be what the student-athletes do outside of the context of their facility. Um, so interaction with students on campus to some degree, but I think most of the in-person classes are going to be these lab courses that have smaller class sizes already, and they can do some social distancing more so than a big lecture hall, which sounds like are going to be mostly virtual. Um, but the off-campus, going to parties and just social interaction with the general student population off-campus, I do think that the athletes have a good understanding of the gravity of that and seem like they've had good leadership and have been very responsible with it. So I'm still optimistic what? and hopeful. Um, Obviously, optics, something we could have included in that discussion when it comes to presidents as well, but we were trying to stick to the medical aspect. Well, Dr. Earl, as always, we thank you a ton for your time and uh, best of luck to you. I look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you so much. There she goes. Dr. Alaya Earl does an outstanding job. Very interesting comments on this latest hot button topic in relation to COVID-19 myocarditis. Uh, we'll do the best we can to keep you informed right here on Tide 109.com uh, and 100.9 FM. That's a wrap for a Tuesday edition of the program. Thanks to Dr. Earl. Thanks to Brent Beard. Thanks to Joe Gaither for producing it. The lunch whistle on this Tuesday. It's a Thai Chicken Tuesday down at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. They're going to have those Thai Chicken pizzas for just 7 bucks, starting at 6 o'clock tonight. 205-632-3282 and get yours. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.